welcome to Live, Laugh, Talk. I'm your host, James Graham, and it's a privilege to be in your ear. In this episode, we will begin with the topic entitled, Are You a Narcissist? Then we will transition to our segment, How Did We Get Here? Followed by our hobbies and special interests section, then we will conclude with our sunflower message. If there's something that's on your mind, maybe something you'd like to discuss, maybe it's a concern, possibly you'd like to make a change to our show. You know that we love listening to our fans. So you're encouraged to email us at admin at livelaughtalk.com. That's admin at livelaughtalk.com. In addition, if you're listening on Spotify, you can add a voice memo and put your comments in there. For each individual episode, you can add comments and participate in our poll. The poll is only up for seven days. Also, wherever it is you listen to the podcast, whether it's GoodPod, Spotify, Apple, TuneIn, wherever it is, make sure that you follow us so that you are notified of the new episodes when they're released. The topic that we will begin with today is entitled, Are You a Narcissist? I was having a conversation with a dear friend of mine. I've known him for many years and his wife for many. The question came up about narcissism. Now, how it came up was they were in an argument, and she said to him, you're a narcissist. So he called me on the phone, and he was telling me about it. It bothered him. Now, I'm a believer that when you throw around clinical terms, those need to actually be used by a therapist. Anytime that there's some clinical term, I really believe whether it's a a term that describes a personality or something that is a medical term, there needs to be somebody with a degree that's going to say you are this or that. For instance, I have a friend of mine that's been drinking a lot of water, using the bathroom often, and I mentioned to her, you need to see a doctor. What I didn't say is, you're a diabetic. You know why I didn't say that? Because I don't have a degree. Now, when we throw around these types of clinical terms, we have to think to ourselves, well, wait a minute. Am I just saying that because I'm high and I'm in the moment and I'm angry and I say you are this or you are that? Personally, I feel that's what happened because I know this gentleman and the traits of a narcissist he does not have. Maybe all of us have one trait of anything that you mentioned, but see, being a narcissist is not one trait. It's not one thing. So let's first talk about this, because I hear this word a lot. I go on social media, 
and I see individuals talk about, I was dating a narcissist, or I was married to a narcissist. None of these people say that their spouse or their partner was diagnosed as such. They just have labeled these people that way. Well, let's define a narcissist. A narcissist is a person who is overly self-involved, often vain and selfish. The psychoanalysis of this word is a person that suffers in a way that they derive erotic gratification from admiration of his or her own physical or mental attributes. Now, I've heard of individuals that can gain erotic gratification from the admiration of themselves. There are those out there that are self-involved, vain, selfish. And we hear it in their words, and we see it in their actions. But you know, narcissism goes further than just that dictionary definition. There are traits that individuals can have. And if we have said traits, it's possible that we could use therapy. So we're going to talk about some of these traits. And we want to keep in mind that not everyone with these traits is a clinical narcissist. And diagnosing narcissistic personality disorder should be done by who? A mental health professional. Not your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your partner. Unless they're a mental health professional and if they are, they need to hand you over to another mental health professional, not diagnose you themselves because they're too personally involved. One of the traits is grandiosity. This is a person having an exaggerated sense of self-importance. Well, there's a lot of people like that, but are they technically narcissists? Hmm. Let's move on. These individuals have a need for admiration, constantly seeking it, and also seeking validation from others. They have a lack of empathy. They don't care about others' feelings at all. They don't even try to understand them. They tend to be manipulative and exploit people for their own gain. They're entitled, believe that they should get special treatment. They also display arrogance and haughtiness in their demeanor. They tend to conceal deep-seated insecurity beneath their grandiose exterior. Actually, they have insecurities, but they mask it, in other words, and put on this other personality. They're jealous, envy others, and also believe that others envy them. They struggle to maintain healthy, lasting relationships. Frequently disregard personal boundaries and the boundaries of others. In their fantasies, they see success as power or beauty. They daydream about their unlimited physical attractiveness, 
but they're unlimited power. They're, they've, they're so successful. They're more successful than anyone else. That's their fantasy. And despite the grandiose exterior, a lot of them have been found to be wounded in their past. So what they've done is they've built up defensive reactions. Sadly, we find that these ones live in a world where they cannot truly communicate with others without it being in charm, flattery. They try to intimidate somebody. They use tactics of control. They lack accountability. Blame it on others. It's their fault that this and that happened. Many impulsive decisions are made by narcissists. They're driven by their desire for immediate gratification or recognition. We have to remember that narcissism exists on a spectrum. And not all narcissistic traits are equally pronounced in every individual. So it's important to approach these traits with sensitivity and also seek professional help. If these traits that we talked about describe us, then we need to talk with somebody. We need to deal with someone that can help us so that we can seek to manage this narcissistic personality disorder especially if we see it causing harm to ourselves or others. Maybe it's harming relationships that we have. So we're not saying that there are not people out here with these traits. What we're saying is, is that if we're finding them in ourselves, if what we just described sounds like the biography of us, let's get some help. Because what are the consequences of being a narcissist? Well, both for the individual and the ones around them, it could have awful results. Well, what are these? Some of these could be a difficulty maintaining a healthy relationship due to their self-centered behavior and lack of empathy, which leads to conflicts, strained connections. They begin to push people away, leading to social isolation and loneliness. And we know what that could do to a person. Anyone isolated is in danger because actually that's what we use for punishment in prisons, is solitary confinement. No one should purposefully live in isolation. They could find themselves with depression, anxiety, even leading to substance abuse, especially when their grandiose self-image is challenged or threatened. But what about in the workplace? In professional settings, narcissists struggle with teamwork, have difficulty taking direction from others, and even create toxic work environments find themselves in legal problems such as lawsuits or criminal charges because of their manipulative or exploitative 
behave. Financial issues then will result. Because if you have impulsive decisions, like we talked about before, or financial exploitation of others, it's going to result in financial difficulties for yourself. People close to narcissists often experience emotional distress, including feelings of being used, manipulated, or unappreciated. How can one grow if they have such traits, right? It's hard to have personal growth, so they're going to be challenged there. They, they can't self-improve because they're going to have a lack of self-awareness altogether. They're going to resist acknowledging their own flaws. Many struggle to find lasting fulfillment as they constantly chase external validation and success. What about the impact on children? Narcissistic parents can have a detrimental impact on their children's development, leading to low self-esteem, emotional issues, and difficulty forming healthy relationships. They set unrealistic expectations on themselves and others, which can or will always lead to frustration, always lead to disappointment. And it's a perpetual cycle of seeking more without finding satisfaction at all. And over time, people begin to lose trust in a narcissist. And why, why would they have trust in someone that manipulates them, or has a self-serving behavior. That makes it challenging to rebuild damaged relationships. And as we know, the health issues will come because if you bring about stress upon yourself, stress and emotional toil among others, then those in your orbit will begin to have anxiety, depression, physical health issues themselves. And because a narcissist may struggle to truly connect with others on an emotional level, man, they miss out on the depth and richness of genuine relationships. See, relationships give something to us. And if you're Lacking empathy, how can you even receive? We're not able to look at ourselves. We're not able to self-reflect. We look in the mirror and we see someone else. We're going to find ourselves in a challenge. But you know, we're not stuck there. There are strategies that we can employ that can manage the relationship with a narcissist even better. See, what we have to do if we're with someone and they're diagnosed as a narcissist, we can clearly define our personal boundaries and assertively communicate with them and be consistent in upholding these boundaries. Don't let them come along and tear them down. We can minimize unnecessary interactions with the narcissist to reduce opportunities for conflict or manipulation. Now, that's only able to be done if you're not married to this person or a child of this person. You can't limit your engagement 
if you're in their immediate family. We want to stay calm and empathetic, maintain our composure during interactions, and try to understand their perspective, even if we don't agree with it. This can help to diffuse tense situations because that narcissist, they're going to be a person that's going to be able and ready to stand toe-to-toe with you on any argument. They're ready. They're not backing down. So you may just have to reduce the amount of words that you use to maintain peace. Avoid reacting emotionally. See, oftentimes, individuals with these personality traits seek emotional reactions from others. But if we remain neutral and not take their provocations personally, we take all of their weaponry away. They no longer can take control of us. We have to avoid using I statements. We have to then instead say, we or you, for example, say, I feel hurt and avoid you always make me feel hurt. So we have to make sure that we take out that you, that finger pointing and express our feelings with I. I hurt when this happens. Document your interactions. Keep records especially if they involve disputes, disagreements, protect yourself if needed. Because remember, a narcissist will try to control, will try to manipulate. So we may want to keep documentation. When talking with them, let's focus on the facts. Stick to facts, stick to evidence. Avoid emotional arguments because they have no emotion. They're not going to see your side, not understanding where you're coming from, because where you're coming from don't matter. It's all about them. It's a world of them. You know what narcissists respond positively to? Praise. So we have to use it strategically to encourage more positive behavior when necessary. And we want to maintain our own emotional well-being if we're in a relationship with a narcissist. We might have to uh, gain support from friends, therapists, do more self-care activities. And you know what? If the relationship is causing harm and we're married to this person, we can't step back, then we want to consider seeking guidance. Guidance from a therapist or a counselor who specializes in dealing with with narcissistic personality. And in extreme circumstances, extreme cases, we may have to leave. If they're causing a severe harm, refuse to change, it could be necessary to consider ending the relationship for your own well-being. And you know what? It may hurt at the moment, And at the time, but in the long term, we're benefited. And possibly so are they. They may then seek the help needed. So remember that it's crucial to prioritize our mental 
and emotional health. So if some of these traits that we've talked about today describe us, or if some of these traits describe the person that you're married to or that you're a child of, we have to take some of these steps that we mentioned to care for ourselves while also trying to care for that individual. We should also seek support from a therapist or counselor if we find it particularly challenging to manage the relationship on our own. But what we don't want to do is get in an argument with somebody and just start naming out, you are this or you are that. Because we don't have the medical training to call somebody to, outside of their name a personality disorder that is real. Narcissism is real. So our opening question, are you a narcissist? That's really personal. Something that we need to examine for ourselves. We need to look in that mirror. Now, I know it's hard for a narcissist to look in the mirror and see that they are a narcissist. But if we're hearing these traits today, sounds like us, let's stop and think about it. And let's just not quit there. For the sake of our families and ourselves and our friends, please, let's seek medical help. We have a true annual increase in drug use in the United States. When I think of drug use, and maybe you're like me, I think about opioids, cocaine, methamphetamines. But the United States government see it another way. When we talk about an increase in drug use, they list opioids, of course, marijuana, cocaine and methamphetamine, alcohol, prescription drugs, tobacco. See, substance abuse can come in many forms. What we're going to focus on today it's substance abuse that includes illicit drug use, such as cocaine use. And we'll talk about marijuana. As well as prescription drugs, including opioid misuse. Because drug use impacts not just the person using, but their loved ones. And the nation as a whole. Let's talk about statistics as we do with this segment often. 53 million or 19.4% of Americans in the over 12 age group have used an illegal drug in the last year. 11.7 Americans in the over 12 age group are regular users of illegal drugs. Now, guys, stop and think about what we just said. We said over 12 age group. 
So we're talking about children being involved in this as well. 39% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 25 have used drugs in the past year. 70% of people who try drugs before the age of 13 will develop an addiction within seven years. 47% of youth in the U.S. have used a drug by the time they graduate from high school. And more than 70,000 drug overdose deaths occur in the U.S. annually. Overdose deaths increased by 30% within the last three years. 20 million Americans over the age of 12 have a substance use disorder. Let's break it down. Let's talk about what they call illicit drugs. Let's start off with opioid-related statistics. Taking opioids for a period longer than three months increases the chances of developing an addiction by 15 times. By 2015, there were so many opioids prescribed, it could medicate every American around the clock for three weeks. And it's only gotten worse since 2015. By 2018, 51.3% of opioid users got their drugs from a friend or a relative. That number has increased as well. The global production of opium increased by 65% by today. Between the years of just 10 years ago to now, there was a 300% increase and opioid overdose deaths from synthetic opioids. By 2022, 70% of drug overdose deaths were from opioids. 28,466 fentanyl-related, 17,029 prescription opioid-related, and 15,482 heroin-related. What about stimulants? Let's talk about those statistics. 1.8 million people in the U.S. over the age of 12 reported using meth in the last year. 5.5 million people in the U.S. over the age of 12 reported using cocaine in the last year. And almost one in five overdose deaths were cocaine-related. Hmm, what about marijuana? 43% of college students reported using marijuana, which was the highest rate since 1983. In states where marijuana has been legalized, ER visits have increased by 54%. Suicides in which marijuana was found present in toxicology reports increased from 7.6% in 2006 to 30% just last year. What's the demographics? Well, 
a lot of our veterans, unfortunately, misuse prescription pain relievers. That number is 505,000 of our veterans. 59,000 veterans use heroin. Individuals who have previously abused drugs and recently released from prisons, they actually have the highest risk for overdose from drugs. Ecstasy, cocaine, meth, LSD, ketamine, and other club drugs are most frequently used by higher income, younger people in our society. Among lower income groups, inhalants are most commonly abused, and these include gasoline, glue, paint, and paint thinner. 75% of drug overdose deaths in Americans over the age of 50 years old is from opioids. Amongst college students who use illegal drugs, that will be 93% use marijuana, 37% use cocaine, 36% use hallucinogens. What states have the highest overdose deaths? Well, that's West Virginia. It leaves U.S. with 51.5 deaths per 100,000. Delaware has 43.8 overdose deaths per 100,000. Maryland with 37.2. And Pennsylvania with 36.1. As evidenced by these statistics and demographics, drug use, drug addiction, and overdose death from drugs are on the rise. And when we look at these numbers, even the ages of the people that's using these drugs, the numbers of those who are around the age of 12, we have to ask ourselves, how did we get here? Have you ever tried to learn a musical instrument as a hobby? You know, it can be incredibly rewarding if you do. It can provide a creative outlet, reduce stress, and offer a sense of accomplishment. We have to choose an, in in an instrument, though, that interests us. Find a teacher, online resource, and enjoy the journey of learning and making music at your own pace. We're going to talk about a few steps to get started with learning a musical instrument as a hobby. First, choosing our instrument. Well, I grew up playing the piano, did a little bit of singing here and there, but I was always interested in the guitar. So here we are later in life. I decided that I wanted to learn how to play the guitar. I went online to many of those online resources. They're helpful, but I'm just going to let you know, you're probably going to need a teacher as well. Because with me, the online thing helped, and I was able to figure out what they were saying, 
But there's nothing like that one-on-one with an educator. The next thing we need to do is set realistic goals. Let's not think we're going to pick up a guitar, for instance, and turn into Eddie Van Halen. We're not going to be the next Jimi Hendrix in two weeks. We're going to play little lullabies to start off with. I've been playing Mary Had a Little Lamb, for instance. And you might start off there. I haven't gotten to Foxy Lady by Jimi Hendrix yet. That's going to take some time. We also, as we mentioned, want to find resources, but we want to do that within our budget. Because we all may not be able to take lessons from some super teacher out there. We may have to grab a a local teacher that may be uh, within a musical uh, school or community group. And as mentioned, there's always the online tutorials and applications. And invest in good quality equipment that, that fits your budget. If you have the right equipment, that can make your learning experience even more enjoyable. But if you just go out there and just grab any old thing, it might be a struggle for you. And you know what it takes? It's like when I used to play the piano. My mom would get on me about practice. And you know me, I was like AI. I was, practice? We're not talking about a song. We're not talking about the instrument. We're talking about practice. I could have been more AI. But she was right. You got to practice that instrument. You're not just going to wake up in the morning and it's just going to be osmosis even if it's just a few minutes a day. And for many of us, I I say it's the basic thing that we need to learn first. Basic music theory. When you understand music theory, it can enhance your ability to read sheet music, for instance. Compose, improvise. We have to start with the basics and gradually build our knowledge. Play along with music. Play along with your favorite song. To me, that's frustrating because I do want to be Jimi Hendrix overnight. So I don't want to play along with someone else playing. But I have to say that it does improve your timing and your rhythm. Even recording yourself can help you track progress and identify areas that need improvement. Again. Don't get discouraged by the challenges. Instead, view them as opportunities to grow. And we have to remember that when we engage in this hobby or any hobby, the goal is to have fun, to remove the stress from our daily lives. This is our chance to do something that we appreciate and to grow, to have self-fulfillment. So we want to make sure that it's enjoyable not putting too much pressure on ourselves, but have fun exploring the world of music. Now, whether you choose to play the guitar, the piano, violin, or any other instrument, the key is to stay motivated and enjoy the process of learning and making music as a hobby. Remember, the most important aspect of learning a musical instrument is the journey. As mentioned, it's about our personal growth. It's about self-expression. It's about the joy 
of making music. So let's embrace the process. And I'm sure whether you pick up that guitar, a piano, a violin, saxophone, trumpet, flute, you'll find that your skills and passion will continue to grow over time. Our sunflower message is going to be a little bit different. Usually, we read a song, lyrics, or we quote a poem, or we even quote a a movie, and then we talk about just the positive things that that poem, that song, or that movie quote had to say. It was something positive within itself. This time is a little different. We had a young person submit to us a poem that they said was their true feelings. So we're going to read it and then we're going to talk about it because I'm sure she's not alone. There's many people young and old feel like she did. And we're going to read the message but our sunflower message ends on a high note So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how if we're feeling this way, the things that we can do to make us feel better. But it needs to be shared. And the name of this poem is Controlled and Ignored by Nicole Harris. Ignored by everybody around me. They doesn't hear me. They say, Oh, I know what you're going through. They don't. They just say that because it's the polite thing to do. I don't want their sympathy. Just want them to say what they really want to. They don't know what it's like to be in my shoes. But they think they do. They will never know because they are not me. They think that it isn't right because It's not their opinion. And then I try to explain myself, but I'm cut off by it. We aren't allowed to express ourselves. When we do, we're just shut up. Think about all the famous people in history that had amazing ideas, were amazing people. They were either not accepted or killed. Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, for instance, they were listened to by those who cared enough, ignored or hated by those who didn't seem to like their ideas. We shall always be ignored and controlled. I appreciate this, and I I, I wanted to make sure that I shared it with you guys because too many of our young people feel this way. Too many people in general feel this way. But what can we do about it? Well, first of all, if we're the listener and there's somebody who says something we don't agree with, we don't have to ignore them or try to, try to change their mind or control them. We can listen. You know, it's, it's fine to agree to disagree. I literally surround myself. I learned this at a young age. I surround myself with people who don't think anything like I do. I don't have a single friend that say, I rubber stamp 
everything that James said. Most of them feel the exact opposite. How do you think I got so used to using statistics in my life? But the point is, is I enjoy and I embrace people who think completely other ways. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that, you know, someone out there that's spewing racism sexism or something like that no that's not I don't tolerate that I don't listen to that but what I'm saying is is if we have a different point of view it's okay to share it with each other matter of fact when we listen to someone with a different point of view we may learn something but what about the person who feels like she felt or the fan that sent it in that feel controlled or ignored I'd say Look at your surroundings. Surround yourself with people who do things like you. Don't don't put yourself in that middle where you've always got to fight, say what you've got to do. Well, and, and, and if it's a parent or someone that loves you, let them know how you feel. Tell them, well, every time I speak, I get shut down. Or nobody wants to hear my eye allow them to express themselves. Maybe they don't recognize that's what they do to you. So as we continue to think about how to end this on a high note, we need to listen to others. We need to take their interests into heart. And then also, if we are those people that seem to get ignored, we don't want to yell louder, but maybe we want to let individuals know that it hurts us when they completely ignore us. And so that we don't feel controlled, make sure that those around us are similar. We don't always have to be in a debate club with our friends. Let's make sure that those friends that we have love us enough to listen to us. If they're not listening to us and they don't care, then that's already telling you something. Let's change that up. Let's make sure, folks, that we remain happy people. Let's be happy people. And let's also give that happiness to others so that they don't feel it. On Cash App at dollar sign Live Laugh Talk and on Twitter at Live Laugh Talker, you can donate to support our podcast. We encourage you to go onto our social media pages like TikTok, uh, uh, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, threads. On all of these, with every show, we make pictures and music to go along with the show. You can go on there and see some of the artistic work that's being made for each and every show that we've had. We are now, believe it or not, up to number 32. So go on to our social media and like some of those pictures and make sure you share them with your friends and others so that they begin to learn about the podcast. In addition, go to Etsy.com. Search for How Did We Get Here so that you can get some t-shirts, tote bags, and coffee. We want you to enjoy the podcast, share it with others, but also make it a part of your daily life by not only listening to some of the things we talk about, but also sharing the things that you would like to talk about. 
As you know, we care about our fans and we love your responses. This is James and Georgia's baby boy signing up. And as you know, I can't wait to talk with you again soon.